Welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Uh, we have another special guest with you guys today. Uh, we have none other than East Tennessee State Assistant Coach, Coach Jason Shea. All right, Coach, this is uh, Justice. Uh, uh, I know ETSU, you guys have played three games so far. Uh, a couple games that have been close against Georgia State and Creighton that could have gone either way. Can you talk about those early season games and also uh, your expectations uh, the rest of the way for the season? Yeah, we, you know, we played uh, a few really good teams um, on the road. Georgia State's picked to win the uh, Sun Belt. Um, they've got, you know, some really good players. Um, Simons is, is on the draft board. And, uh, you know, I thought we went down there and, and played really well. They play a little bit of an amoeba defense. And, um you know, I thought we moved the ball well. We got good shots. We had uh, a ton of offensive rebounds, but we just weren't able to convert them. And we've got to do a better job of either, you know, finishing those shots around the rim or kicking them back out when we get those offensive rebounds. Um, we had the lead late late in that game uh, by four and just weren't able to finish it. And, and part of that, I think, is, you know, we've got, eight new guys, six of them that haven't played Division One basketball. And when you're going against a, a team uh, that has the majority of, of their roster back from a team that played in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, we, we, we learned the hard way in not finishing the game. And so, you know, we learned some lessons from that. And then I thought we went to Creighton. Uh, playing our second Big East school in, in two years. Last year we played Xavier. Uh, again, we we played well. We did a lot of good things. Uh, we're getting better defensively. Um, had a 12-point lead with about seven and a half minutes to go and um, just gave up, you know, gave up some threes, uh, got a little bit stagnant offensively. Uh, but did some some really good things a bit against a Big East school, um, but again we didn't we weren't able to finish the game, um, but a lot of positive from both games moving forward and, and hopefully uh, you know we, we we're learning how to win games as, as we have uh, another big test coming up Saturday against Winthrop. <laughs> All right, now, Coach. Uh, speaking of those those big tests, uh, and, and just your your coaching background in general, can you take us back to the start of your coaching tenure, and then talk about your different stops along the way that have led to you once again coaching alongside uh, Coach Steve Forbes? Yeah, I was. Uh, I started my first uh, college coaching job was uh, at a Division two school, Mercyhurst College, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, I worked for. Carl Fogel there used to coach at Northeastern uh, with Jim Calhoun and then took over at Northeastern. And, uh, you know, I just got, uh, got my feet wet there. And uh, Coach Fogel actually, our, our arch rival was Gannon, and um, he let me be, uh, do the scout on my second year there. I was there for two years, and we actually beat him. So he, he – put a lot of trust in me I think to give up that game because he had done it himself um, and then from there I went to the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee uh, with Bruce Pearl and that my relationship with Coach Pearl kind of 
started when I was a walk-on at the University of Iowa. He was an assistant coach um, my freshman year, and and so that relationship kind of helped. And I went there as the director of basketball operations for two years. And then in my third year, I got bumped up to an assistant coach. Uh, we were very successful there. We we went uh, my the fourth year. We went to the Sweet Sixteen. We beat uh, Alabama in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and then turned around and beat. Uh, Boston College, which was Coach Pearl's alma mater, and ended up losing to Illinois, who had uh, Darren Williams, D. Brown. Um, they ended up losing in the championship game to North Carolina that year. I remember that team. Yeah, they were talented. I the remember first that team too. Timeout, right. I think the score was like 21 to 18. I was like, this game's going to be in the 120s here, but it, 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 it didn't. Uh, it didn't uh, <laughs> like that but uh and then from milwaukee uh i went with coach pearl was at tennessee for six years um you know we we had a lot of success went to six ncaa tournaments won the first sec outright championship in 41 years came to memphis and uh at the time i don't know if it still is was the the highest watch one versus two game uh on espn uh, you know great atmosphere when we played at memphis that year it was uh like a final four atmosphere uh with derrick rose and that group that went on to play in the championship game um and then tennessee well, we got fired and i went with coach forbes down to northwest florida for two years uh we had great success we were 62 and 6 at Northwest Florida, one of the top JUCOs in the country. We played in, in two national title games. Unfortunately, we weren't able to win either one. Uh, and from there, I went to North Dakota, which was uh, the head coach there was a good friend of mine. We played against one another in high school. Uh, he played at Northern Iowa, so I, I, I've known him you know, quite a long time. Went up there for two years and then when Coach Forbes got the job here at East Tennessee State, I came and rejoined with him. So this is going in our uh, this is our eleventh year together, uh, me and Coach Forbes. And so we've we've started off pretty good uh, in uh, our three years here. We won seventy six games and played in three uh, SoCon championship games. Now, Coach, how you doing? Uh, this is Evan Duvall. Um, you coached uh, on the JUCO ranks with Coach Ford. You, you guys had the privilege, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, coaching uh, Chris Jones of Memphis product to end up signing with Louisville. Uh, talk about how, how was it coaching him? I know he had a uh, pretty good high school career here at uh, Memphis Melrose uh, under Coach Jermaine Johnson, who's now the assistant coach at UT Martin. Uh, talk about how it was coaching him uh, as your uh, point guard. Chris is probably one of the most p competitive players that I've coached, um, you know, just competed daily in practice, which carried over into the games, um, just was a ball hawk. Obviously, he could uh, really score the ball. His freshman year, he averaged 18 points a game for us at Northwest Florida. And um, and then in our second year, he averaged uh, – Slightly over 20 points a game, was a national junior college player of the year. Um, you know, just led us 
was a tremendous score. Um, you know, Coach Forbes has given me a lot of freedom to call offensive plays. And there are times when Chris would just go and get a bucket, and he said, that's a nice play call, Shay, and, and uh, really didn't really call anything. He just went and got a basket. But, uh, you know, he, he just um, had that will to win, uh, got every loose ball, uh, really had that Memphis toughness and, um, you know, helped us win a lot of games and, and then went on to, uh, to Louisville. Now, um, I'm pretty familiar with the East Tennessee state program. Uh, one of my ex teammates, he actually got recruited, uh, by the university of Tennessee as well. Jarvis Jones played yep. during the coach Bartow. Uh, and we're, we're still very tight to this day. Um, I saw, I know a little bit, well, a lot about the East Tennessee state program, but you're been, you've been coaching, uh, side by side by one of the rising stars in the coaching rank, Steve Forbes. Can you just give us a little detail about how it's been working with Steve Forbes? Um, how, how, how much of a pleasure it's been to watch him skyrocket as a young rising star in the coaching yes, ranks right now? Steve is, uh, you know, he's really good. He, he does a, his, his strength is really getting our players to play together and buying into the team concept and, uh, you know, our guys play super hard for him. And so, that, you know, that, that's, that's been a pleasure in, in learning and, and just watching how he uh, relates and has relationship with our guys and gets them to play unselfish basketball uh, and play for, um, you know, and then Steve's uh, past been uh, one of the top recruiters uh, in the country. And so, you know, he, he just, again, it's about building those relationships. Uh, I know he spent, when we were at Tennessee, he spent a lot of time um, in Memphis. And, and uh, I think we were making some headway towards the end of our tenure at Tennessee and, and getting, um, you know, some, some Memphis players. But, but that was because, of, you know, his relationship building. Um, in the city and uh, you know I think we, we had Chris signed at Tennessee uh, before we got fired and then uh, you know I think he laid a lot of the groundwork for uh, Jarnell Stokes who ended up playing for coach Martin at Tennessee and um, you know we had JP Prince who transferred back uh, from Arizona to play for us at Tennessee and so um, you know, I think he's helped me uh, develop as an assistant coach uh, as we've been together 11 years now. Now, Coach, you, you mentioned uh, J.P. Prince and, and Tennessee. Uh, I know him all too well. He, we actually were teammates at White Station uh, High School in, in Memphis. Can you take us back to that? Uh, Tennessee versus Memphis game and the atmosphere leading up to it and just what state college basketball was in uh, around that time well it, it was really good in the state of Tennessee um, you know obviously uh, Memphis was number one we were number two uh, unfortunately we win the game on Saturday night uh, at Memphis and had to turn around and play uh, on Tuesday night against um, Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt beat us and so they were really good. I, I'm 
we're probably the shortest lived number one team in the country there. Uh, but um, it, it was the game, uh, you know, college game day was there. Um, fans were lining up, you know, at 6 a.m. To, to go into the arena for college game day. And I, I we stayed across this, the street there from the FedEx Forum and just the number of people in and around the arena uh, all day long, uh, you know, getting ready for the the huge matchup between us. We played at like nine o'clock that night. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, like I said earlier, a, a final four atmosphere. And a lot of people were excited because it was two uh, in-state rivals and, you know, both playing at a pretty high level. And, you know, the game, I don't think it disappointed. It came down to the last uh, the last minute, and we got we got a big-time rebound at their end, and uh, Chris Lofton hit two free throws to seal it, and we won 66-62. So uh, it, it was one of the most uh, intense games, you know, I've been a part of, um, but it, it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. Now, Coach, in, in order to be in a game like that, uh, oftentimes it's about the players and, and, the, and the recruiting aspect. Can you talk a bit about uh, recruiting? And, and I know in addition to, to working the, the, the Memphis area, there's some other hotbeds that uh, your staff likes to work. Just can you, without giving us too many secrets, take us into how that process works and, and maybe some areas that uh, you think have some really good basketball or good talent. Well, I think, you know, at the time um, we had several uh, Georgia kids because, you know, Georgia has a lot of talent and it's it's not that far uh, from Knoxville or East Tennessee. Uh, so it's easy to, for, you know, easy trip to go down there and, and see players. Uh, Memphis at the time, you know, the top players in Memphis uh, – are, are really talented and have pro potential. Um, at the time, we had Duke Cruz, you know, who's from Baltimore, D.C. area, uh, which isn't, you know, it's a, it, it was a little yeah. bit shorter drive or flight to get to that Baltimore, D.C. area than, than it was Memphis sometimes. And so, you know, we are just uh, – Recruiting's about you got to go and see them with your own eyes and evaluate players and how they fit your system and what what you're looking for in a in a player and you know we've always tried to be um, athletic uh, have you know guys that are uh, you know they throw around the word positionless that can guard multiple positions. Uh, you know, that could handle the ball, shoot it. And so, um, you know, that that's what we looked for. And, and those were the the hotbed areas for us at the time. And, um, you know, I think we had pretty good players. We, we had some all-SEC players, and, and it helps when you – at the time, we had one of the best shooters in the country uh, in Chris Lofton. And so he could help stretch the defense. And then we, you know, you had smart players. You got to have players that have 
basketball IQ. Dane Bradshaw was recruited to go to Tennessee to play point guard, and he played uh, power forward for us and had to guard Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford and and uh, those big time players. But he, you know, he was smart. He he got himself in position. And JP Prince, you know, his dad was a coach, so he had a high basketball IQ. And um, Wayne Chisholm. Uh, just was a skilled six nine forward that played four and five and was a tough matchup when he moved to the five because he could step out and shoot it and so you know we tried to get skilled guys okay coach okay and and before I kick it back over to Evan is it still the case at ETSU that uh both the I guess the Atlanta area and maybe that Memphis area are, are some of your recruiting areas or hot, hot spots. Yeah, of course, because, again, relationships. We got relationships in, in, in the Atlanta and, and Georgia area. We, we coached a couple uh, junior college players when we were at Northwest Florida from Georgia. We, we recruited and coached um, four guys from Memphis, uh, Tevin Wilkerson, who played with Chris at at, uh, at Melrose, um, Marvin Williams played at White Station. Um, I'm missing one. Uh, played at Hillcrest was was the Memphis City Player of the Year. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Anyways, so yeah, those those are still some hotbeds that we we still try to to get to. And um, you know, show our face and, and interest and recruit those players. Okay, coach, this is Evan again. I kind of want to get on the ETSU uh, program. We know you guys have made a lot of headway since you've you've been NCAA tournament teams. Uh, you won a lot of games. Kind of tell us what would be the next step to bringing that program to even higher prominence. Uh, we, we know you've done a good job since you got there, but what is kind of the goals now for ETSU well, today? You know, we, we want to continue to play a tough schedule. Uh, and then when you, you play a schedule um, like we have, you, you've got to continue to string wins along. Since we've been here, we beat Georgia Tech. Uh, at Georgia Tech, we beat Mississippi State at Mississippi State. Uh, we had Xavier down, who ended up fifth in the country at the end of the polls last year. We had them down 22, and uh, they went 1-3-1, and we got stagnant. And they beat us on a last-second shot. You know, we go to Creighton uh, this year, played played well. Uh, we're going to play Illinois, but I think you got to go and win those games. And uh, we went to the NCAA tournament. We played Florida. Um, you know, we, we felt we had, it was a good matchup for us. A lot of times in the NCAA tournament, it's about matchups. And I thought it was a good matchup. Uh, but until you play them, you, you, you really can't uh, simulate their speed and athleticism. Obviously, you guys are familiar with Chris Chioza. And he's super quick, fast. Uh, their team was, and, and uh, we actually had the lead in the second half against Florida, um, but then we we had some pick sixes that led to some easy layups in that game because of their athleticism. But, um, you know, I think for us to continue to 
to be one of the top mid majors, you got to go on the on the road and, and win those games. And, and uh, we have last year, I think we were in the top five in road wins, uh, true road wins. So you know that that's what we got to just continue to do is, is going and play at a high level on the road and and continue to build the brand and people will start to notice. Okay, and, and the last question, Coach, before we get out of, out of here. Um, your league, the Southern Conference, is usually a uh, one big league for the NCAA tournament, but you have some really good teams in your league. You got UNC Greensboro, uh, UT Chat. Um, you, you guys have a lot of good teams. Warford and, of course, your, your, yourself. Talk about, do you feel the conference is underrated? Uh, because, as you said, you've went on the road and beat a lot of Power 5 teams. Uh, I'm pretty sure we saw UNC and Greensboro uh, take LSU uh, down to the wire last week. Can you t- kind of talk about, do you think it's been years in the past where your league should have been a multiple big league conference? Uh, and, and just kind of touch on the conference itself before we get you Yeah, up. you know, I don't know. It's so hard. Um, everybody wants to try and move to uh, multiple bids for your league. Um, you know, I think there there's a chance because Greensboro – like us, they beat NC State last year. As you mentioned, they took LSU uh, down to the wire. Uh, Wofford beat North Carolina at North Carolina. Uh, Samford went on the road and has beat Nebraska. You know, so we've we've got, as a conference, uh, we've shown that we can go out and, and compete with the Power Five schools. Um, you know, we just get, and we got to continue as a, as a conference to schedule you know, better and then go on the go and win those games. And when you do that, then you put your position, put yourself in position to get multiple bid leagues. I think we've had uh, three teams in the top 100. Um, but I think you still got to, you got to move those RPI numbers or now whatever the, uh, they're using, you know, as a ranking to, to uh, select teams, you got to move that, that number lower. And so, uh, yeah, our, our conference is tough. It's got good coaches. It's got good players. And, you know, we just got to keep moving towards trying to uh, win games. Well, well, Coach, uh, we see the standings right now, and I know Sanford and, and Furman are right there uh, undefeated uh, so far. So we're certainly going to be watching that Southern Conference, and uh, we'll, we'll be rooting for your team. So hopefully uh, you can get a chance to come back on with us uh, later in the season. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, Furman and Sanford were were picked in the middle, lower half of the league, and here they are, you know, 3-0. and So uh, you got Greensboro, Wofford, and ourselves that were picked in, in the top three. So it's going to be a tough league. And, and I've always said, what as a coach, whatever conference you're in as a coach, that's the toughest league in the country. So Hopefully we can uh, make some he- headway here and, and uh, get on the winning track. Well, there, there you have it. Uh, this is the latest edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. And once again, we want to thank our special guest, Coach Jason Shea, East Tennessee University, East Tennessee State University. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys.